Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by the lovely Eve Crawford, a young lady I met down here in Nicaragua over the last, what has it been now, like six months, a year, two years? How long uh, have we've come? been here for two years. But two years, but I haven't been here like yeah, consistently. Yeah, you weren't here, but only were here last. Right. But um, recently, her, myself, and her husband had a nice long three-day vacation where we all just like bro down. And we had a great time, and it couldn't have been better. And I got to learn so many interesting things about her and her husband. I was like, you have to come on the show and share it with my guest. So with that said, E, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining me. I'm really, really excited because you bring such a unique, different sort of style and kind of like vibe to the town. I mean, straight off the bat, like your style is very unique in the way you dress. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you kind of see that within the people who choose to be here, like Everyone kind of brings their own style. And you do get a lot of, I think, females, maybe some males who have, I think, really cool style. I think India is one of them. And yeah. he's got really cool style. Magenta has a really cool style, yeah. too. Like, very different. You all have very different styles. But, like, it's your own. Like, yeah. you know that's like, oh, that's totally Eve's style right now. Yeah, you know? well, thank you. There are some really cool, like, stylish chicks here that, you know, I think are really awesome. And I would love to be included in that. That, yeah, well, you are. For sure. you are. Like, we went to this uh, party down south, and you had like, um, what was that kind of style of hat? Like a safari hat. Oh, my on. safari hat. Yeah, you had your safari hat, I leather boots, hot pink like booty shorts, <laughs> like tight booty shorts, and like a hot pink crop top, and it like worked somehow for you. I don't know. <laughs> it was awesome. Really cool. Was that would that be accurate? That's kind of I what you're wearing, it's right? Probably something like that. I don't know. Something like that, but it was cool. I was like, wow! Like, and she pulls it off. That's rad. But I mean, yeah, you and your husband kind of came down here two years ago. You bought some property, you've built at this point, and I'd like we'll get into that in a little bit. But I want to kind of talk more about a little bit about your upbringing because I know you came from Portland. Yeah. And grew up there from age nothing to age what? Uh, I think. I left Portland when I was 25. Okay. And I went and, yeah, I went and traveled in Europe for like six months doing help exchange. And then I moved to New York and that's where I met, that's where I met AD. That's where I met my husband. That's cool. So prior though to growing up to the age of 25 in Portland, then going to Europe for six months, had you done traveling before? No, not really, hardly at all. And that was just kind of like, I knew I was going to leave Portland and I was so I could quit my job and I went. Well, I've been wanting to travel forever, so that was... And then ever since then, I've traveled a lot, though. That's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about your travels, and it's kind of exciting. We'll get into a little bit of it, but uh, did you go to school in Portland? Like, did you study? Yeah. What yeah. did you study? Uh, I went to beauty school. I'm a hairdresser. Okay, cool. And you were making living as a hairdresser for, yeah. what, like five years after high school, six years? Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I started beauty school right after high school. And, um, yeah, I was doing really well. I worked at a really great salon with really awesome people. Um, and you said, fuck this, I just I'm said, out of here. fuck <laughs> it, it's time to, like, I gotta, I gotta, Portland's such a lovely city, it's like this, people call it like a, they call it like a, like a velvet rut, and I really a was. A velvet rut? Velvet rut, I think is what they say, or velvet, yeah, something like that. I mean, it's just like, it's 
great. Like, why would you leave? It's so nice. But um, and I had this great job and everything was really awesome. But I was just not happy. I knew I needed to. I knew I needed to do something different. And it's time. So why Europe? Uh I don't know. Why not? I guess right. But it's expensive. It's like I mean, yes, it's that kind of cliche, classic American thing. After high school, we go to Europe, and it's beautiful. There's a reason people go there. We all we all need to go there at some point. Yeah, well, I had never really done very much traveling. I had been to like Mexico, and for, and like that was it. And so I guess I just kind of, honestly, I think I really would have liked to go to South America, but I had never traveled. I was all by myself, and I think Europe seemed a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I just decided to do that. And I you just, said you had work exchange. You had work exchange. Yeah. What does that mean? Like you um, help on farms and properties in exchange oh, so for room and board. Yeah, I did woofing. Yeah, and exactly. Woofing. Mm-hmm. And then, so can, what's that? The acronym is actually what? Working? Worldwide Opportunities in Organic Farming. Okay. I think. This is cool. We actually never had some of the shows talked about woofing before, and I think it's a really good opportunity for our listeners yeah. to understand what it is and the opportunities out there for them because it's an international thing. You can yeah. go anywhere you want in the world. Mm-hmm. You have to get yourself there. Right. And then you basically live for free in exchange for a certain hour, amount of hours on a farm. Yeah. It's correct? all different. I mean, any, they, they pick what they want. Like, and there's a website. You kind of go sign up for it. and There are so many different websites. Like a lot of the people I meet here do um, uh, one that's called workaway, workaway.com or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did woofing and I did helpx.net, which is another one that, because um, woofing is kind of specific to like, just organic farms and they have to have organic status. Um, HelpX was another one that I like to use because it was like anybody could kind of be on HelpX. And then like, like I said, now there's um, a lot of people use WorkAway. A lot of people I've met here, like working at hostels and things have used WorkAway. But it's, yeah, it's nice. Like if you only just have a, you know, you have to have enough money to get yourself there and it, you know, for your extra stuff, Usually people don't buy you the farms and whatever, don't buy you like cigarettes and booze and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So you did that on your own for six months. Obviously yeah. you made friends. But yeah, like, I, I made friends along the way, but yeah, it was really fun. And then did you like, so you'd work at a farm, say for the amount of time that you'd contract yourself for, and then you'd meet a friend and say like, hey, let's go to another farm. Or would you try to stay in a farm? Like what's uh, the culture like? Yeah. I mean, of course like, it's like anywhere, like you meet people and you travel to maybe you go and travel together or. Whatever and so um, farm to farm, you're just jumping farm to yeah, farm. Yeah, or like um, I met a I met a really cool girl when I was in um Spain, and she and I took like we we're like oh let's go take a week and just like go travel around Spain. So we did, and yeah, I think I had things sort of set up along the way, and I would go. Yeah, you know, what was the most like exotic country? Would you say you were like were you in Eastern Europe living? No, and if I were to do it again, like I really would have gone a little bit further afield but it was my first experience like outside the united states and i was just kind of i didn't so i went to ireland italy spain and france with like a two-day trip to england so i don't know if i was gonna do it again i would really make an effort to like go to more places and go to more exotic places but but fair enough i mean yeah, for your first experience away, like yeah. everyone kind of does that. You, you you kind of project where you think you'll be comfy and safe and fun. Yeah. Without too many foreign crazy experiences, and yeah. then, in hindsight, you're like, man, like that was great, but it was kind of easy. Yeah, it was kind of easy. It was all kind of easy. Yeah. But it was kind of exhausting too. Like, I don't know. I like my kind of like quiet time and my downtime. And after like after a few months, I was kind of like, 
God, like three more months. Like, I kind of just want to like chill. Like, <laughs> I'll go to a hotel for a week and just like watch Netflix or something. But your budget obviously. My budget allow. didn't allow that. Yeah, so I had to keep going on farms, and yeah, I got a little bit exhausted. I'm a person who likes my my recuperation time, right. like not being around anybody else. And I hear you. I'm the same. I can sit in this office all day and yeah. just be myself and not see anybody and be very happy with that. Yeah, natural inf- introverts. Yeah, you know? totally. Like, people don't understand. Like we need our time to just recharge. Yeah, and then we go out and like. This is another really fun little fact about Eve is she loves hip hop. <laughs> and uh, when we were partying for that three days, Eve brought it <laughs> on the uh, karaoke machine, dude. Like she's what? What are you like? Five, five? No, God. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost five feet. Almost five feet. Okay. And this girl was getting up there and just on point with some hardcore notorious B.I.G. What, we, what else did we do? Tupac. We did. Oh, uh, the Snoop Dogg one was my favorite. The Snoop Dogg one was awesome. Yeah, we did Ain't Ain't No Fun If The Homies Can't Have None. Yeah. It was so much fun. And she like just grabbed the mic and was just like waving her arms up in the air. (laughs) It was so rad. It was so much fun because I've never really done karaoke because I'm completely tone deaf. Oh, So I can't sing anything. Man, well, you can read good though. But I can, well, I knew all the words. Oh, okay. I know all the words to like all the, a lot of hip hop songs. Okay. So it was pretty easy. That's my problem, folks. I don't read that fast. And so I was, I was struggling for yeah. karaoke. <laughs> I was kind of backup. I was the backup. No, it was so much fun. It was like, I wouldn't have gone up there by myself, but then like having you go up with me, it was early. It was like, it was and then I got into it and then it was just like, well, I do this by myself at home all the time. Your hairbrush in the mirror. Yeah, sing, singing along with like, yeah, I can put on like some doggy style and like sing along with it. I know every single word. So that's so cool. Easy. And so, yeah, so you um, moved to New York. What was in New York? Why? Um, I don't know. I guess it was just another one of those things like, well, I knew I wanted to get out of Portland and I wanted to go somewhere. And I thought, well, New York, why not? Like, if you're going to leave your hometown for the first time and fucking need to start it at like 25, then you might as well, you got to go big, right? So um, one of my best friends from Portland had been living in New York for a long time. And he's like, He's like my brother. He's like so awesome. He walked me down the aisle at my wedding and he was like, yeah, he was like so stoked on me moving to New York. And he was like, yeah, you can like stay with me until you get set up. So he let me stay with him for a whole month. Man is a saint because nobody has any kind of space in New York. Like, you know, people live in like closets basically. And he had like three roommates and he was just like, he just like let me just stay at his house and he'd like be out all night and I'd sleep. And then in the morning I'd get up and, and so nice of him. So I was really lucky to be. What did you do though for that month? Were you working or? I was looking for a job. Oh, okay. It was a, he let me just stay there until I, and you know, until I found a job, and um, so I got a job at a salon, and then, and then I got an apartment. How and many years were you there? I think like I think I was there like three years, and then I just got bored of it. Well, I'm, I'm at AD. I'm at AD after like, I think I wasn't even there for a few weeks, and then I met AD, and then um. After a few months, uh, well, I got Mike. I was living in an apartment, and the apartment building got bed bugs, so I was forced to move in with AD, and I was really not stoked on it because I didn't want to. I didn't move to New York to like just straight move in with some dude, right? Yeah. But I was like, fuck, fine, whatever. And so I moved in with AD, and then, um, and then that was that was that was that that was that. I guess. Yeah. And so we never, can you tell me the story that how you met him? Because AD's a rocker. Like. <laughs> 80s awesome. He's such a fun dude to hang out <laughs> yeah, with, party he's, with. Like, he's all right. <laughs> how'd you guys meet? Um, I was out with 
my roommates because it was like the first and like the I'd only lived for a few weeks and I was out with my my buddy Hanson who I was living with and then his roommates uh, Brendan and Emmett who were like still like two of my best my best bros and um, we've been drinking all day we fucking trashed we've been like in the park drinking uh, big, these big styrofoam cups full of margarita that you get at the bar across the street from the park in Williamsburg and um so Emmett was like, oh, yeah, go meet up with my girlfriend. She's at this bar, my buddy. So we went over there, and he was there, and he was tanked. And um, I was not impressed. I wasn't super impressed by him. I would imagine he would say the same thing yeah, about he, you, though. No, he said, no, he swears to this day. He said that I walked in, and it was like, you know, it was like, he's like, he's like, it was like the cutest thing I'd ever seen. Just walked in the door. And you more then, like stumbled in, it sounds like. I kind of like stumbled in, but apparently I was charming, as always. <laughs> Um, okay. But no, I wasn't really impressed. I think I remember saying to Emmett later on, like, yeah, I don't know about your buddy AD. I think my specific words for, um, were um, kind of freaked me out. I'm pretty sure he wants to put his hand on my panties. <laughs> he said, I don't know about that dude. But then um, he kept trying to hang out with me. And then uh, Emmett was supposed to go with me, just his friends, like to this like this mod dance night. And I really wanted to go. And then Emmett had to bail at the last minute because he's a chef and he had to work a double. And I was like, well... Your buddy AD has a scooter. He had a, he had a Vespa. And, um. Which you need to have if you're a mod, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, and it's a mod dance party. And you're, I was like, your buddy AD, like, I don't know how I feel about that dude, but he's got a Vespa. And it'd be really fun to roll up to the mod dance party on a Vespa. And I had like my, I was, I'm really into vintage clothes. And I had like my 60s mini dress all picked out. And I was working at this high end salon where they, they do clients makeup. So like one of the girls was going to do my makeup like Twiggy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like all stoked, and he was like, and he he said made some kind of promise that he could never could never have kept. Like, oh well, I, I promise I'll, I'll talk to AD and make sure he's on good behavior, which is like not a thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody can make AD be on good behavior. <laughs> like, I can't. I've been married to him for two. I've been we've been together for like eight years now. I'm married for two years. I can't make him be on good behavior. Nobody can. But, but so we have to backtrack. What the fuck is Twiggy? Number one. Oh, Twiggy, the, the <clears throat> 1960s model. With like the um, oh, okay. the cute like eyelashes like oh, okay. on like right there. She was was she the one who was killed by the Manson plan? No, that was Sharon Tate. Oh, okay, but they do kind of have a similar look. Okay, for sure. so we'll, Same look, era. we'll have to look her up. And then, can you explain to the audience what a mod is? Because I don't think everyone knows. Oh, sorry, um, uh, mod. So like, um, like it's British. British, yeah, like uh, Quadrophenia. Um, the Who made an album called Quadrophenia, and there's a movie called Quadrophenia, and the, it's like, so imagine like girls in, girls in 60s mini dresses and like go-go boots. Mm-hmm. Um, guys riding guys scooters. In, guys riding scooters in, in like parkas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they follow a certain genre of music yeah. as well, right? Yeah, like I think that, yeah. Like, it's not necessarily mod music, it's more like, would you say ska or like? It would just be like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it would just be like... British punk, sort British of? British pop, punk, yeah, I, I guess I don't we'll really know. We'll look that up as well. Yeah. So he took you, and yeah. he, he romanced you. Yeah, he, he romanced <laughs> me. Well, actually, we did have our first kiss. We we, um, we rode the scooter across the bridge when the party was over at, like, four, and um, across the bridge into Manhattan and uh, down to the water and um, in this really nice spot where we had, like, you could see the... Um, fuck you call it, the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And then that was where we had our first kiss. Aww. So I guess it was pretty romantic. <laughs> That's cool. That's super cool. So you guys travel a lot together after that? like? Yeah, I mean, um, 
yeah, we lived in New York, like I said, for a few years. And then when we were ready to leave, we thought we might be ready to leave New York. And we got a little 1960s, like, travel trailer. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, we did a little road trip around the United States for, like, a year or so. And we did more help exchange, like, helping on farms. And For a year? For about a year. That's rad. Just help exchange, bombing around um, the U.S. Yeah, yeah. We made some really good friends. It was fun. That's super cool. Especially yeah. as a couple, you get to really know each other, you mm-hmm. know, make sure that this is the right fit. And we loved it. Like, we loved being in that small space together. Like, mm-hmm. I think our relationship, like, I mean, it's always pretty solid, but I mean, I think, like, we were really, people said, you know, wow, I can't believe your relationship withstood that. And we're like, we were, like, at our best. Like, there's... Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, there's just sort of... I don't know. We just do well when we're just together. Or maybe, I mean, as individuals, you recognize the situation for what it is. Like, it's not easy. You have to encroach on other people's personal space. And so hopefully, I'm I'm just guessing, maybe both are observant enough to recognize that there's certain limitations that you just have to accept. And then you kind of go with it. Because I've been in relationships where it's like, that's not the case. And so... It's just something about the dynamic of our relationship. We just, we do well when we don't have any personal space. Okay. I don't know. I mean, we do fine otherwise too, but like, we just don't, I don't know. It's just the nature of our relationship. It was a good thing to figure out though. No doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, I just interviewed a really cool couple episode of 45. They're, they call themselves Darwin and Snuggles. They're trail names because they're both uh, backpackers and they live in national forests around America. Oh yeah, I saw something. Yeah, I saw that you you posted something about that. Yeah, they were really yeah. fascinating. They came out of the woods just to do the interview in their car outside of a coffee shop. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then how did you get to Nicaragua? Uh, we so after our road trip, we moved to um. Sorry, I got to backtrack for part of the story. Like right. after our road trip, we moved to um. We found this little town. I had I really had been wanting for a while to. I'd never lived in a really small town. So I wanted to move to a small town with 300 people or less. Uh, this was your criteria. Yeah, that was my criteria. There was this town, in, this little town in Portland that I really liked, or not in Portland, I mean in, in Oregon. That I really liked, and it was like 300 people or something, and I'd always kind of fantasized about living there. But um, So I was like, well, I want to move to, I kind of had this in the back of my mind, I want to move to like a small town. So we found this, we met this couple um, that we really liked and uh, they were like kind of like they had like kids our age and we helped on their farm a lot and um, it was in West Virginia and we found this little town called Cairo it's named after Cairo Egypt but they pronounce it they spelled it wrong they, they spell it right they just say it wrong they, they, they I mean okay it's a colloquialism colloquialism, how say that? colloquialism. colloquialism. yeah but so we bought this big um like 15,000 square foot hardware store building. It was a hundred, it's like a hundred years old, over a hundred years old, um, really high ceilings, um, really beautiful old building. And we moved in there and we had an antique, we have an antique store and a, I have a barber shop there and AD's got his motorcycle shop and I run my Etsy stores and whatever, but it's great in the summer, but with like, you know, ceilings that are like 20 feet high and it was built in the 1900s and it, you can't keep it warm if you had a million dollars you couldn't keep it warm so we were like well fuck we gotta we gotta go somewhere for the winter people you know would say like well why don't you just you know you could winterize it and it's literally cheaper to leave all winter than to just try and do any kind of winterizing to that building plus it would be lame because it wouldn't look 
you as know, cool it's as it does cool right because it's all original. Yeah. So we figured we wanted to find a place where we could go. We could bring our dog without, you know, a lot of hoops to jump through. And it was on the beach and it was affordable. So I just started searching on Airbnb and then I found Playa Gigante. Really? Yeah. That's how you found it? Mm-hmm. Airbnb? Yeah, literally. And who's popped up? Dale. Dale Dagger. Of yeah, course. Dale Dagger. The man, the myth, the, the man, legend. <laughs> the myth. Episode, I think he's episode four, folks. You can listen to him as well. Salty. Salty yeah. old, salty old cranky And old so man. you stayed with him for the first time? Yeah, at his casita, which is, um, yeah, you know, up by, up by our house. Yep. Nice. Because he allowed. And what, you fell in love? Or this was like, it, did it take a few years to get the, no, the guts we to like, like buy? No, we were here for a couple of weeks and we saw that he had a sign over there in the yoga lots that said like, you know, land for sale. And we went, oh, well, we could buy some land here. It'd be cool. So we talked to Dale and he showed us some property and, um, and we decided to buy some land. And you're, that's so crazy to me. Like, and it's funny actually, because as she tells the story and then I know a little bit of the background of how they've built and how their whole experience has gone thus far here. Um, it is talked about amongst us expat here that they have had the easiest build and transition as like a expat couple that we've ever observed. We've been so lucky. Like you, you basically gave the specs to somebody else to build your house for you while you were gone. And mind you, this is a, a female who, I don't know her education, so I can't really comp- comment on that. But I can't imagine it's, it's past high school or even sixth grade. And you left all of the... Oh, we're talking about Veronica. I'm like, are you yeah. talking about me right now? I'd like to say <laughs> I have a I've passed sixth grade education. <clears throat> no, sorry. I should have clarified. <laughs> but yeah, they left their building plans in the hands of Veronica, who's, who was a cleaning lady for Dale. And she had this house erected for you in like six months. She's with, a badass chica. With like no problems. Is that correct? Yeah. No, Veronica is fucking killer. Like she's, I want to be Veronica when I grow up. I mean, she's just a badass fucking chick. She takes care of business. And that doesn't happen, folks. Like there aren't any expats here who have had that kind of experience. Like everyone stays and watches the process and has all these problems with the building and the builders and all these things. And like you guys just left, came back. Oh, our house is ready. Perfect. We'll move in. I like to I like to just put things out into the universe and let the universe take care of me, you know? It's as you like, should. I mean, congratulations. And I've been, like, I mean, I don't know. But maybe that doesn't work for everybody. And hats off to Veronica because she is a badass oh, woman. Oh, yeah. Like, she fucking kills. She's basically she's runs, she runs Dale's business for yeah. him. She was his cleaner for years. And he mm-hmm. said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. You run it. And she's taken it to a level that he yeah. probably couldn't have. Yeah, you have to give credit to Dale. I mean, like, he really mm. saw in Veronica, like, this capability. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't, I mean... This is a really, like, I don't know, in this, this country, I imagine it's kind of probably a little bit difficult to, to be a woman and to get ahead like that. I mean, it's a, it's a macho country, like, I mean, whatever, it's hard in the United States, too. But, no, yeah. But, I mean, you know. Like, oh, yeah, it's definitely. She's, she's great. Like, yeah. I felt completely confident leaving it That's with cool. Her. And you have a great house on a great property. Yeah, yeah, my house is awesome. That you also rent out Airbnb when you're not here. Mm-hmm. Well, even when we're here, we've got to rent it out right now. Oh, yeah, we're living that's right. upstairs. Right. We just you. love moving ourselves into tiny ass spaces where we. <laughs> but you're stacking ships too. I mean, this isn't the only rental property you have. You have obviously one back in West Virginia, and you have a few on the West Coast as well. Yeah, we um, yeah, we were actually able to rent out the hardware store this year. I don't know, like this couple from Florida. They're really nice. They're really great. But I'm like, you guys, it's gonna be fucking cold. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're like. They're stoked on it, so that's covering our mortgage, which is great. Um, yeah, and then we have uh, we have two 
rental properties in West Virginia. And um, yeah, and then we have a couple on the West Coast. So cool. And you're making this all happen through your Etsy store and his handiwork with motorcycles yeah, and, yeah. and your antique store. Because this is actually one of the main reasons I brought Eve on the, on the show, because I got to learn something so intriguing about her, which is her Etsy store, which she sells amazing vintage taxidermy, which is the most unique thing I've heard come out of anybody's mouth in the last probably five years. And then getting to talk to you about it and you're passionate about it and learning a lot about it from just our three days we hung out was really cool. So let's transition to that because you have an Etsy store that you sell these things that you find or things that you have taxidermied that you have very specific criteria for. Because I know you love animals. This isn't about killing animals. This is about preserving certain aspects of the animal. Maybe we can go into what your passion is about it. Like, what do you love about taxidermied animals? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like partly just because like I've always my whole life ever since I was little, like I've always really loved animals, which I know like doesn't really make any sense with like dead animals because it's not like, but I guess the first time about 10 years ago, I went to the Natural History Museum in New York for the first time and I just saw the most beautiful like vintage taxidermy. Have you been to the Natural History Museum in New York? No gorgeous okay floor after floor it's all behind glass was it which which fucking roosevelt teddy roosevelt Mm -hmm. see the one that um he like actually like hunted and killed like most of these animals and then like donated and had them taxidermied and like donated them to natural history museum um and they're all like set in like they're sort of behind glass in like what would be like their like a really cool like stylized version of like their natural habitat and um just really weird and I just really liked it and I'd always kind of liked taxidermy and then I think that was where it and then AD and I started getting really into um uh just when we started our road trip a few years ago when we left New York and started our road trip we got really into going to estate sales and thrift stores and buying things cool old stuff and we realized how much we loved that and started so I was like so I started selling it and we started selling it out of our little camper and we would do all the photo shoots, most mostly clothes and housewares. And we do all the photo shoots in front of our little cute camper at campsites and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we started doing that and I started selling a lot of vintage clothes. And then I always really loved taxidermy and it started getting a little bit trendy. And I found that since I was traveling around the country and through these little small towns, I was able to find some really cool vintage taxidermy. And I started segueing. I started to open another Etsy shop. And started focusing more on things that fit into that, like the vintage taxidermy and just kind of antique oddities kind of things. And um, so anything that fit into the sort of 60s through 90s kind of more fun and colorful vibe would go in my other shop that I had already been running. And then the kind of more obscure, mostly older, mostly 1900s through like 1950s. 40s and kind of weird and a little bit dark and then the taxidermy and that all went into the other shop the the taxidermy shop and um and then local and then we moved to our little our hardware store and um people started getting started you know learned that i collected that stuff and so people started just showing up at the door bringing me things like no way yeah they started Like like dead carcasses or taxidermied um like, no, I actually, I told like the first time that somebody brought me something that was just straight up dead. I was like, no, I don't, I don't do that. Like maybe, maybe if you find it on the side of the road, maybe, 
Okay. I'll think about it. But this person actually killed it. Yeah, somebody showed up with like a deer skull that was very fresh, and I was like, "No, oh, okay. no, I don't do that." Um, but no, mostly they'd bring me. Um, it's mostly it's what it what that was only like one time that ever happened because. So the thing is that um, it's Appalachia. You know, it's really rural. Mm. It's really rural, and these people they they hunt. They make their living deer. off of it. Yeah, they hunt a lot of deer. They at least during hunting season. They put up enough to freeze for the year, and they're eating deer because they're not people who have a ton of money. And hunting is very much in their culture, mm-hmm. so everybody's got a garage full of deer antlers and they deer and deer skulls, and maybe their maybe their dad or their grandpa, and they don't have anything to do with all this stuff. But then they find out that oh yeah, there's that kind of kind of weird girl from New York just bought the hardware store building, just bought the R.C. Marshall store, and yeah, she'll give you some money for your deer antlers deer skulls, whatever, and they started coming by, and then they kind of go like, well, is there anything else you'll buy? And I'm like, I will buy any kind of skulls off of you, I'm like, but they have to be a couple years old. Like, I can tell. And nobody's, they don't want to go through the effort anyway of cleaning a dead animal is a lot of work. Right. And I'm just... Mother like, Nature does a better job. Yeah, Mother Nature does a way better job. So, you know, then they're not, so I feel comfortable about it, comfortable about it. Like, you know, I know that they're not, I'm not putting the hit out on any animals or anything. Yeah. Like I tell, like they're they're clearing out the garage. Yeah. What is it like in the small town when you got there? Was it like, did they accept you? Like, I mean, being like this completely foreign person coming in, and were you making friends immediately? Were you looked at out like outcasts? Like, what was that like? I mean, I think they still can't figure out why we're there. Okay. Like, why would we move there from New York? Mm-hmm. But um. No, I think by and large people have been very nice. I think I know that that a lot of people were very wary. They're they're wary of outsiders, you know. Mm-hmm. So really, to be honest, and we we knew that we, you know, we we knew enough like people who were from around there coming in that were like, look, don't go in guns blazing and expect to be, you know, accepted or whatever. And so we took that to heart, and we were like, okay, so we went in, and honestly, like. I considered our first couple of years, like, I would just, I just considered it like, um, like I was almost like on a, almost like on a campaign of like, to be just as nice, just to, to, to let people know, like, we are, we're nice people. Mm -hmm. We're not here to shake things up. We're not here to like, you know, and to just, I just go out every day with a smile on my face and I say hi to everybody. And I just, I'm like, we're nice people anyway, but, you know, we just had to, we sort of came in with just, you know, this unified, like, okay, no, they're not going to like us, um, but we're going to, we're going to make them like us. We're going to give them a reason. We're going to give them no reason to dislike us and, you know, just, we knew So you made the effort, but you weren't like over the top. You weren't like trying to shake hands with everybody and... No, but it wasn't like a politician, like shaking hands with everybody, but, you know, when I would go out and I'd just be like... You know, we went and introduced ourselves to all the other local businesses, and because um, it's what one street, it's like yeah, no, it's quiet. literally that's like not even a block of Main Street. Um, I just didn't want to give anyone a reason to, but they make people. I have heard the funniest rumors about myself. Oh yeah, like yeah, like tell I, us one. Um, I heard once that we were in the witness protection program. Uh huh. Um, not really that creative, honestly. Most of them, but I mean, but they're funny though. Like I heard that we were in it, in the, and I've also heard that I'm. Um, we were uh, we were drug dealers, um, and 
that we were, what do you call it? Like when someone's like an informant, like a narc. Mm -hmm. So those two completely opposite. So if you're a narc in that small little town, there might be something going on that you could be telling the officials about. Like are they cooking up meth back in the woodshed? Yeah, meth is a really big problem in any small town in America. Oh, yeah, meth is really bad. But um, So are you worried for your safety? Like are people breaking into your... No. No? No. Okay. No, I mean, it's really... Yeah, I mean, I think it's like I think it's like anywhere. Like if you were to like leave something out, you could people certainly like have their woodsheds broken into from time to time mm-hmm. if they leave them unlocked or whatever. But I don't really think it's like a big. Got it. Issue. Again, just like here, we've been really, really lucky. Yeah. Knock on whatever. <laughs> knock yeah. on whatever. Yeah. Sorry, I just, I just had to ask that before we moved on because I'm still very fascinated with this taxidermy stuff. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're you're selling your Etsy stuff. And I mean, are you selling from here too? Like, how do you get your stuff when you're here back to the States? Because um, I know you, you collect a lot of interesting vintage stuff here as well. I do. And I haven't really figured out yet how to get it back to the States. Because you're concerned about certain laws. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm concerned about laws. Also the postal system here. I've never actually like mailed anything from here. I mean, well, you I mean know. we have DHL. We have all the, the standard ones. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I've got some stuff I'd like to try and figure out. It's gonna be expensive, but like you could do it. Yeah, for sure. Do have some stuff I'd like to be able to figure out how to get back to the states. Yeah, some really. I found some straight up like third world, never seen anything quite like it taxidermy here. Describe it for us. Uh, I found these two little tiny deer. They're the size of chihuahuas. You the one you, you glimpsed uh-huh. them at my house yep. today, right? They're literally the size of chihuahuas. Do you think that's a full size deer? Or do you think that was a baby? They're deer? definitely babies. They have spots. Okay. God, I mean, and it's like it makes me so sad to like think of someone killing the cutest, literally probably the, what was the cu- cutest animal I could ever even imagine looking mm-hmm. at. Like a baby spotted deer is so cute, and then one that's like the size of a house pet. Ridiculous. <laughs> I think Audrey Hepburn had one as a pet. Um, and they're stitched up in like the most fucked up way, like just super like rough, you know, and they don't have kind of looks like a Chucky doll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just really weird. And like, they don't have, um, they don't have the professional, like in professional taxidermy, you've got eyes that are mm. like glass and they look real. And these have like little wooden balls. <laughs> so it's kind of cool though, too. Like I, I, yeah, you're right. I've seen them and I'm like, it's that weird. is fascinating. It's kind of weird, but it's fascinating. Yeah. I wouldn't ex- I would probably have that actually in my, yeah. in my office. Just yeah, totally. Weird. Yeah. That's how I feel about like, like I have, um, actually at home in my, in my bedroom and, um, in the hardware store, I have, uh, I have a taxidermy baby deer. Um, and I was told that any time that I was told that it is almost a hundred percent that it was killed by accident mm-hmm. by a, a friend who, who would know, like she does a lot of um rogue taxidermy through like morbid anatomy museum and stuff. That's like, um, they're really like, so she's really morbid knows. anatomy museum is a place. It's a, it, in, in, um, in New York. Yeah. Okay. But they'd actually just closed. But anyway, so she's really involved in like this, like kind of like hipster taxidermy scene. It's the best. I hate to call it that, but I mean, like, you know, it's the... I didn't know this was a real thing. Like, yeah. I know you kind of touched upon it, it's, really, like, it's, it's become trendy. A bit, it's become a bit trendy, yeah. And so she's involved with them, um, which she's affiliated with a group of people who um does really... They're probably the only people you're going to... Some of the only people you're going to meet that do really professional taxidermy that are not, like, just straight-up rednecks. You know, like, they're hmm. actually, like, cool. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. Not, I don't want to say, like, rednecks aren't cool. I know a lot of really cool rednecks. <laughs> but, um, I mean, they're, like... 
you know, people you'd see at like your local dive bar in New York and they do a lot of taxidermy, like mostly with like roadkill and ethical taxidermy and stuff like that. Ethical taxidermy. Anyway, so she told me that this baby deer, it is very, very rare to find a baby deer taxidermy. And one of those reasons is that you got to be a real fucking prick to go and like shoot a baby deer, right? Mm -hmm. So almost always, like if you see one, it's because it was killed by accident. Hmm. And then someone, for whatever reason, taxidermied it. Mm-hmm. So, and it took me over a year. I had it in like our, our extra storage room for over a year and just kind of like looking at it sometimes. Like, cause I just was like, it's so cool, mm-hmm. but I, I can't, it makes me so sad to look at, you know, mm-hmm. like I want to look at it cause like it's cool looking, but I feel so sad cause it died and it's a baby deer. And, um, but after a good year, I went like, I took it into the bedroom and I made a really cute little, um, I put, I put moss around it and I made little, um, little red and white spotted mushrooms out of felt so that it gave it a kind of a whimsical look. <laughs> it's and like now, a zombie Bambi, dude. It is like a zombie Bambi, but it looks, it's so well done and it looks, but, um, yeah, it took me, took me well over a year to get used to the idea yeah. of seeing that thing and it's staring at me all the time. My buddy, uh, Howard Hodges, who used to live here for quite a few years, had these two ocelot cats that he'd bought off the black market in Managua from up in the north. And they were super cool cats, like way bigger than a house cat. You know, and they're oh, the only neat. cats who can like rotate their hind legs, like running down a tree oh, so they can I've like always rip. wanted to see an ocelot in person. Yeah. And they're his house pets. Like he, he had built this like jungle gym for them in his like roof. Cause they're cool. nocturnal obviously. So they play all night. Yeah. And then one day they ate the neighbor's poison, like rat poison. No. And they, they both died. So he had them taxidermied. And he took them to the guy. He said, these are like my babies. He loved these animals. Yeah. And he said, I want them. This was Junior. This was something else. Their names. He's like, this one had this personality. This one had that personality. Like, make them look like that. Yeah. And the guy made them look like these fierce, like, animals. Like, doing these horrible things. And he's like, that's not what I told you to do, dude. Yeah. Like, make them look like the happy cats I knew and loved, yeah. you know? So he's got these two, like crazy looking mean ocelots you'd, you'd on his have to, it would be like a waste to not taxidermy them and that's how i feel about the, the the baby deer and that's how i feel like about vintage taxidermy in general totally like it would be a waste right to just mm-hmm. when you see like dead animal on the side of the road you're like god it's already dead and that's like, i guess that's how i feel about like i should get you this guy's number though this taxidermy I would guy love to see yeah he's probably got so much cool stuff he's in managua i don't know i'll, I'll email howard and see what he says yeah, yeah I would be cool. love because I bet he's got some cool stuff that like you'd never see in the United States. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. These animals, exotic animals down yeah, here. Totally. Um, I mean, do you consider yourself an expat? Like, are you here to like stay, or are you just trying to avoid winners? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, we the last like couple like so two years in a row we came down to avoid winter, and then this year, but then the last time that we were here, we kind of really didn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. We basically just went back to like you know, um, sell a bunch of stuff and then immediately come back. Cause we're kind of just not really stoked on the United States right now. Why is that? Can I ask? Um, I'm just not really, I'm not really happy with, um, a lot of like what's happening like politics and shit like politically that. And, That's cool. and everything. There's, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, um, I just, I'm really not That's happy cool. about people being hateful and terrible <laughs> towards other people in general. Fair enough. Makes me sad. Fair enough. And so down here, what is the allure for you? I mean, I mean, you don't surf, you don't fish. You have your, obviously your taxidermy passion in a unique place where I'm sure you'll find some gems and you have, 
AD, you know, he, he tinkers on his motorcycles and has this odd sort of like, not odd in the sense <laughs> of it's odd, but he has odd jobs and things he does. Um, so then what's the allure? The yeah, freedom? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of still trying to like find, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place and we, there's a lot of like, we know like so many obvious, so many awesome friends here. And I really like, um, especially I like that like, there are so many, particularly like, there, like you were saying, like there's so many really awesome, strong women here, mm-hmm. and I miss that. Like I had that when I was in New York, and I didn't really have it in West Virginia. And, um, so I like that. I like the community here. It's awesome. Like being on the beach. It's beautiful. Do you ever go swimming? Yeah, we went swimming yesterday. <laughs> okay. I have to wear a life jacket. My dog and I both have. To, Mister has to wear a life jacket too. That's we're so like cute. super nerd. Her dog's fam. name is Mister, by yeah. the way, folks. <laughs> He's a what, a French bulldog? He's a French bulldog. Yeah, he's a cutie. He's cute. Yeah, they can't swim, so, and I can't swim either. Okay. So why why is that? Why can't you swim? I don't know. I took swimming lessons as a kid. I just... Never really took to it. Just never really took to it. Huh. Yeah, we go swimming. Um, if I could get more into like, if I could figure out what I really want to, I, I miss, I miss my, I miss my stuff that I do back home, like finding old things and old vintage taxidermy and stuff like that, cool things and, and selling them to people, like rehoming them, you know, is how I kind of like to think mm-hmm. of it. And I would like to figure out how to do more of that here because that's something that I feel like is like the little piece of me that's like missing. Yeah. Being here. I get yeah. a little bit bored. Okay. But yeah, Eddie surfs and um, he works on motorcycles and he he's just happy that he gets to like be warm every day and he can, he'd be happy just to be doing nothing at all ever so that's why he, he's totally fine he loves it here nice you can like have a beer at noon totally no one judges you no for one that judges you for that misfits yeah. and rejects you know that's, <laughs> how, that's how we do it um well cool i mean since you're kind of still feeling it out and like you obviously enjoy the environment you have opportunities with them i think i think actually you're going to find that there's probably a taxidermy scene here that is going to really be intriguing when you get tapped into it. Yeah, totally. You know, like the north of the country to us, some pretty crazy exotic animals. And yeah. once I hook you up with this guy, I'm going to get his number for you. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'd love that. What I, yeah, what I'd really like to do is get more into doing what I do at home until like, be able to ship things back. Yeah. But I haven't really done the legwork yet. I'm figuring out what the laws are and yeah. how I can skirt those laws. And I mean, there might not be any. There might not be any. You don't. Yeah. I mean, I do know. you think there are? Like, what? I mean, I do know. Within America, do we have laws against taxidermy ship, like shipping it to like Europe? Yeah. Really? I used to ship things all the time. I used to sell all kinds of stuff in my Etsy shop um, and ship them all overseas. And um, at some point, just recently, uh, Fish and Wildlife Division started sending my shipments back with these like threats, you know, saying like, you don't have the proper paperwork. And I'm like, I've been doing this for years, you guys. Like, what's the big deal? Um, so I imagine that there's got to be some kind of thing about sending them into the U.S. So you send it with the post, like through the post, whatever, DHL, you, and mm-hmm. somebody in Fish and Wildlife is sending it back with their little tag on it saying like... Saying like, we open this, you can't send this without um, such and such paperwork, which... It's kind of interesting that happened- they have... Happened right before I left, and mm. I need to actually look into because I can get the, I can get a license to do it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of what they were saying, like you can do this, but you need to have a proper license for it. Which is just weird because it it's was amazing though, that that passes through the fish and wildlife. Like I think hands. it was fish and wildlife. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, cool, man. I mean, so you have your Etsy store, and it's called Fawn and Fervor, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Go ahead. Let's plug it. Like, so you got Fawn and Forever and what else? What else? Cause I mean, I want people to see this. Like what you do is really cool. It's very yeah. interesting. It's unique and it's very attractive. A lot of stuff that you, you have a cool eye for a style. Like I said in the beginning. Thank you. And you make some, do you make jewelry as well? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I make a little bit of jewelry too. Yeah. I actually want to talk about this real quick because you have had, um, some of these rabbit farmers in your area bring you what rabbit's feet? Oh yeah. Not, not straight up rabbit farmers. It's, um, friends of mine who have, uh, small farms little family farms and um one of the thing it was two it was at one time it was two two different families but the one couple broke up but um yeah so we're talking about i mean like family farms and they've got like a couple cows and then maybe they've got a couple of ducks and a couple of sheep and they've got a few rabbits and um and the rabbits you know they would butcher at the end of season for for food and either they'd eat it or they'd sell it or whatever um and i asked them one day you know we're like out at a dinner, you know, having dinner at like somebody's house or something like, so like weird question. What do you, what do you do with the, the feet and the furs and stuff? Like after you butcher them and they say, what do you mean? What do we do with them? Like we throw them in the compost pile, I guess. So I said, well, what do you think about like maybe next time before you throw them in the compost pile, just throw them in a bag, bring them over to me. <laughs> so, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with them, but this is like in the very beginning, like this is like before I really got into like, um, before I really got into like super as much into like the taxidermy as I am now but um Mm -hmm. so one day and I forgot about it and then one day our buddy Ivan he's um you know he's probably like your your dad's age or something he's like a 60 something like he's he's funny he's an awesome dude and he shows up and he's like got some rabbit feet for you here (laughs) oh my god I forgot about the rabbit feet okay like a lot of them like like a bag of them no way yeah like they had butchered like I mean each rabbit has four feet and they maybe butchered like 20 rabbits or something and, um, and we're not talking like, this isn't like a factory farm uh-huh. or something, but they've got like, he just, there was like a bag of feet. And I went, okay. So I threw them in the freezer and I was like, okay, what am I going to do with these rabbit feet? I asked for them. And I just kind of, um, I did looked up online, like, how do you, cause you gotta, they're, you know, they're meaty. Like you gotta do something. So, um, so we, what I figured out that I could do is put them in a, a Ziploc bag or a shoe box will work. With like either some borax or some salt. I think and you borax. cover the whole thing, or you just like you just, set it in there. You put a bunch of you put some borax in there and you shake them all up. Okay. And then you just leave them. Okay. For a little while, and the borax sucks all the moisture out mm-hmm. and doesn't let any bacteria grow. It kind of like disinfects everything. Mummifies it. Yeah, more or less mummifies it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and this has got to be. This is like exactly the same thing that when you buy like a rabbit when you were a kid and you buy like a rabbit foot keychain at the gas station. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just dried out. It's so rad. It's so, so easy. I mean, so I make these really beautiful necklaces with them. That's cool. Um, white rabbits, brown rabbits. Ah, uh, mostly white rabbits. Okay. Yeah, I've done a few with other colors, some really pretty gray and brown, but I like the white rabbits the most. Mm-hmm. They look really, they just look really pretty, and against um, you know, whatever kind of metal I use for the uh, little toggle or whatever. The little toggle, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a rabbit foot necklace. That's so cool. They're really pretty. So you got your Etsy, which is Fawn and Fervor, Instagram, fawn.and.fervor. Is that right. correct? <laughs> Anywhere else people can find your uh, your wares? No, just on Instagram and Etsy. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure chatting with Likewise. you. Likewise. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to... Choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. 
I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.